Hello and welcome along to G'day GA. I'm delighted to be joined here this evening by my two fantastic co-hosts. It's been 25 days since we've had the band all together. We didn't have Shawnee for the last couple of episodes. Welcome back, Shawnee. Thanks, lads. Good to be back. And welcome along, John. Thanks, Liam. So we've had a, a busy couple of weeks. Obviously, we were over at the State Games in Perth, minus our, our uh, co-host, Shawnee, who wasn't able to make it over. But we're delighted to have him here with us tonight. Um... On today's show, we've got a couple of things we're going to cover off the state games over in Perth. We're going to talk about our friend Paul Kimmage has been very active at the moment in terms of his, I suppose, criticism of the Dublin Gaelic football team. And also we're going to touch on Colin Cooper and the infamous testimonial dinner. Um, firstly, we, just have, we do have a couple of tweets to have come in since we last met. Um, first tweet in was in relation to Giggles, your comment. Um, we got a tweet in from Donny Reagan at DVR05. This is an inverted commas. Charlie Redmond should take his seven steps back, two to the right, lick his gloves and go shag himself. And then Davy's response to that was, giggles, hail, hail. <laughs> so I think he was, he enjoyed that comment. He got a lot of yeah. feedback on that one. Yeah. Yes. And I'm after meeting about two or three Aaron's Isle men since and I've told him about it and they weren't too impressed about it. So <laughs> glad to hear someone enjoyed it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we also got another tweet in from Global GA at Global underscore GA. Looking forward to catching up with some of your podcasts over the course of the week, folks. Great idea. So keep the tweets coming into at GA. follow us on Twitter at GA, and also on the email at GAA at gmail.com. Okay, so coming up first, we're going to talk about the state games, Australasian games in part last, or sorry, two weeks ago. Okay, so state games, giggles, a big weekend of Gaelic game celebrations in part. Yeah, we, we, did, we did a fantastic weekend, we... We went over with Victoria with three teams, went over to Hurlers, uh, the ladies footballers and the men's footballers. Um, we probably went over with a weaker team than we would have usually gone over with. We actually only had 14 players ready to travel on, on the Tuesday night. You stepped in, Liam, admirably, a cornerback, and we got two, two of the Sinn Féin boys to come over, so we had 17 on the panel then, and we had two other lads, two of the footballers tag out for us. But we did, we had a strong, strong 15, and um, we uh, drew with WA in the first game, lost to New South Wales in the in the semi-final or in the other game by a point and then that meant we had to play the semi-final on the Saturday against New South Wales which we lost by two points so uh, we probably went out uh, a day earlier than we expected which meant we had a day more on the beer over in Perth and uh, we had some savage celebrations but I guess the whole weekend itself was was, was great fun uh, you had I think there was 13 teams over there including the minors uh, so you had the minor championship in the football you had the ladies football championship the men's football championship and the hurling championship and they were all won I guess by um, Victoria won two, two of the championships they won the minor and they won the ladies football uh, WA won the hurling uh, in a great final against New South Wales and New South Wales won the men's football against WA in the final so I think everyone went home happy from a state point of view yeah. we didn't go home too happy as the herders but a great weekend yeah there's, there's a great spread and I think look we, we'll go into a bit more detail we actually have a great interview lined up um, with Maeve Moriarty who was the captain of the Victorian ladies getting footballer footballers um, an Armagh woman and it was the first time Victoria have ever won the ladies football uh, championship and it was that, that was a massive thing and obviously we had the president of the GA there and, and president Michael D Higgins the president of Ireland there as well so we might go into that in a bit more detail but I think I think we we had the interview with Maeve I think we might just go to that now and get Maeve's perspective on the weekend and that, and that great victory <laughs> Traveling in a fight I'd come be 
trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? Good evening, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Maeve Moriarty, the captain of the Victorian ladies footballers team. Thanks very much for joining me on the line, Maeve. Not a problem, Liam. Nice to be chatting to you. It's great to have you, Maeve. And first off, congratulations on the excellent victory that you had at the Australasian State Championships. The first time Victoria have won the ladies football championship. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm still on a high from it, to be honest. Um, I don't know if it has really sunk in yet. Um, just such a great weekend and then to come out of it with the result that we did in the finish up was just like it just topped it off really um yeah it was, it was amazing I, I was obviously there with, with the hurlers and we were there following your progress over the few days and for the people just at home tuning in so it was yeah. a f- f- four days worth of games for yourselves and you qualified for the final on the saturday and then playing your was this your sixth game on the sunday was that right yeah so um I think with it being this year, it was slightly different from last year's experience because obviously there was the five states were there last year. So this year it was a bit different in that there was only the three. But I think it made it harder in a way because each team knew each other so well then. Um, so even the sort of like the intensity in the games and stuff was just a bit a bit higher. Um, and then going into that um, semi-final with one, two lost to um so we knew we just had to we just had to get ourselves over the line to get into the, the the final on the next day so um it was a tough enough battle but i think it set us up well then for the final um and then um give us that wee extra bit in the legs too because the games earlier in the in the comp as you know were just like shorter games and stuff so to get that wee bit extra game time i think actually did us more harm or more good than harm really um and then set us up well then for the final yeah and i think i think like watching you on obviously on over a few days you seem to be kind of improving with every game yeah and yeah. when you watch you play in the semi-final on the saturday you were looking quite good and obviously you you, you played Queensland who you'd better in the earlier games but they give you a, yeah. a tougher taste in that semi-final but going into the going into the final um uh, for the people at home it was the most amazing game I won't, <laughs> I won't just say of of ladies Gaelic football but of Gaelic football or Gaelic games I've ever seen that's like just, well, it's, oh, it was crazy uh, just like I, I've never like I've been playing football probably about 26 27 years now and I've been fortunate to play in a few finals or in a few important games and that I've never played in a game like it in life um i don't know like when you're in it i think it's probably easier to be in it than to be watching it to be honest if you were if you were watching it because you sort of have you've con- control whereas if you're watching it, there's nothing you can do about it only look on and see what's happening but um for the three i think what is it three extra times yeah so for people um, at home what happened was we had we go through the detail of the game but basically yeah. it was a le- level after full time which is fair enough we went to extra yeah. time two periods of 10 minutes it was level after that then we went for another two periods of five minutes level after that and then we went to golden score which i reckon yeah. i'm happy to be correct on this is the first in gaelic games in the world i don't think that's ever happened before have you heard of that Maeve? i had never heard of it before until no. the final like i yeah. had no idea um and it's I, I I thought it was like freeze or points or something or replays or whatever. I just I never heard of the first score wins kind of scenario. Um 
And to be honest, like the game, as you know, could have swung either way. It could have went WA's way very easily as as it could have went our way. But I think um, I think because we had sort of let them back into the game, they had the momentum going into the second period of half, t- or second, or into the first period of extra time. And then when we, we sort of clawed it back then because they were ahead of us. So we kind of had the momentum swinging in our you know, in, in our direction then coming into that golden yeah. score. So um, we had a few few moments where it could have really, really could have went either way. But thank God we were on the on yeah. the right end of it and the, the ball landed in Karen McCrossan's hands at the right time. Yeah, and I think just going back into normal time, you were very much in control all of the first half. I think at one stage yeah. you were up by nine points. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was nine points. And we, yeah. we were all there together, the men's hurlers, the men's footballers watching on and cheering you on. And we're yeah. like, oh, this is fantastic. Thank God we're bringing some silverware back. It's great. Yeah. And next minute then, <laughs> WA just started clawing their way back in, clawing yeah. their way back in. But you were still playing quite well. Yeah. And then three points up with, I suppose, what was it, maybe 20 seconds to go, 30 seconds yeah. to go. And that goal went in. I was I like, know. oh my God, I cannot believe this. I cannot you know, believe it. <laughs> I know. It was just like, it was just, it was heartbreaking at that, at that period. And to be honest, I couldn't tottle up the score on the scoreboard and I tottled it up and I thought we had lost when that time the whistle went oh I was like oh God. that's us done and then I realised we were back in it and I was like oh well here let's go again <laughs> <laughs> you know because I was like then on the up because I thought we'd lost it Um, so I would have been I would have been devastated because we would have kicked ourselves completely out of it Um. oh yeah because he totally like I say totally controlled the game but just even yeah. for people at home and I know I've, I've had this comments and feedbacks from everyone who was at the games including yeah. the the president of the GEA was the standard of the ladies football was phenomenal now and in terms of to watch as a spectacle was way more yeah. enjoyable than the men's football and I have no problem saying that oh I, that's I, yeah I think I think the pace of the game was fantastic the kicking hand passing the quality was right up there and in terms of entertainment like yeah. we, we watched the semi-final between oh, I don't have a quote to the men's footballers now but the semi-final yeah. of the men's football between yeah, we uh, WA and Victoria you were there on the Saturday evening it was nil 0-0 zero, zero after like 15 or 20 minutes yeah, like, which is yeah. shocking like no one wants to yeah. watch that whereas yeah. you, you guys was score after score after score after score on both sides yeah. and it was just a fantastic high quality and because there was still a contest. Yeah, there was still a contest night to feel. It wasn't like just like you know just ping pong. You know, there's still no. a lot of contest night to pitch. So the ball was being I worked think, up the channels every time. It yeah. was there was no kicking long. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. To be honest, like I knew going in that we had a good squad. It was a very different squad from last year, but some of the same girls were there. A few new girls in, and I know the caliber of the players and any like any one of that first 15 or first, or even the 22 could walk onto any county team at home. Do you know that kind of way? So, and then looking at WA, the standard and the level of the players on their side as well, like county players, do you know? So you're getting, it's nearly like inter-county football, do you know? And oh my God. If, yeah. if, I think because we're over in Australia, we don't see that much ladies football from home, but the standard has just risen and risen and risen over the past like 10 years. Um, so I'm not I'm not overly surprised that we produced a good game. <laughs> no, but but it was like to produce the, the best game of the tournament for the final in front of yeah. as we know as well the president of Ireland and the president yeah. of the GEA. Like you must be very proud having to, like obviously to take part in uh, that game, but also to win it, also to yeah. captain it, and also to top off. Obviously, Sinn Fein is your club, and you had a fantastic year with Sinn Fein winning the winning the treble with Sinn Fein in in yeah. Victoria, and then to go on and captain. Um, Victoria, the state to the fir- their first ever championship. You must a huge personal accolade for yourself. Oh, 
Liam, to be honest, has just been like the best sporting year of my life, like without a shadow of a doubt. Like, I'm very fortunate to have played with good teams at home and then obviously to go to Sinn Féin and it's a good, well-established club. Um, and I always do say it's always about the team and when you've got a good team around you, you know, you can you can do some really, really good things. Um, so from a personal point of view, to have been able to, to lift the cup um, in last the two weekends ago with the two presidents there, that definitely has to be like the pinnacle. Like I don't know if I can get any better than that. Um, and then just reflecting on the season with Sinn Féin, it just was like it was perfect, which is like like can't believe that I'm on the other end of it now, saying that we we did the travel, like we did the sevens, we did the league, and we did the championship. And again, we just were very lucky. It was a completely different team from last year. New girls came in and we got some really good talent in like Cara Fitzpatrick, Clara Fitzpatrick, Karen McCross and Troy McLaughlin, all those girls and you know, you just get lucky sometimes with who you who you breed in. Um Yeah, so, I, think, um, I think what we always say as well over here playing in Australia is that group that you played with last what, nearly two weeks ago now, you will never play with that same group yeah. again, whether it's yeah. with Sinn Fein yeah. or the State of Victoria, you never have the same twenty two or the same panel. Which is yeah. is amazing in one way, but it's also kind of sad that it is. It's the, sort of you know, it's, yeah. the, it's the transient nature, I suppose, of of living in Australia, especially playing Gaelic games in Australia. That yeah, you know, it's not going to be the same next year, which is yeah, you know, which is good and bad. But I don't know how how you find that just having contrary, like you said, you just described it as probably the best year of your life playing yeah. sport. Yeah, it's funny because that's I had someone I was speaking to a friend of mine at home. She's a very good footballer, and she was saying about how it was so good to see, um, you know, how passionate everyone was, or to hear how passionate everyone was wanting to win the final. Given that it's not your club from home, you haven't played for them for the last ten, fifteen years. You're only playing with these girls for like, you know a matter of eight weeks or whatever and everyone was so passionate and wanting to win you know um, and I think it's just um, that was very that, that like really pointed it out to me how it is so different from home it's not people that you've grew up with all your life that you're playing with so it's about buying into it when you are out here um, and I think if you're really if you're anywhere competitive and you've any passion for the GEA like coming to Australia is it's it's the best thing that you can ever do is to get involved in the community because you make so many friends and you make so many connections and there's so many opportunities. Like, I definitely don't think that I would have um, met the President of Ireland if I was at home no, <laughs> playing yeah, football. Same, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which, is, which is hilarious, isn't it? That we, You played in front of the President of the GA and the President of Ireland. It's the first like, time that the two of them ever attended Gaelic games outside of Ireland. And it's so surreal. It's so surreal. And, and like I said, to be presented by the cup by the president of Ireland and the president of the GA, like you would have yeah. been doing in Crow Park if you'd been back playing with Armagh or whatever yeah. it might be. Like, yeah. I think it was such a special occasion for the ladies' footballers. And obviously, we were there, like I said, with the hurlers, but all the footballers as well. We were so proud. Yeah, oh, it was and so, so good happy having, for you guys, you know. So good having you there. Like, it made, it made, like, having a bit of support in the crowd, especially when you're in, you know, WA, we were playing against them. It was in WA. They had, like, how many, like, I don't know what the attendance there was. was, there was I think there was 1,400 at the final on Sunday. Yeah, and, and it was what thirteen hundred in were Western Australia. Yeah, do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. to have to have had uh, the boys there cheering us on, it made a, a massive difference. Like so, for all of Victoria to like to come together and back each other, like because we did the same for for years the other days. We wanted to get out and support the boys in their semi final and support Hughes when we cut as well. So um, it was really good, just as a, as a state as a whole, like just to 
to have been able to bring something back on behalf of us all, really. Yeah, it's fantastic. And like we said, a bit of history of Victoria winning for the first time. But back to the game, I suppose. Yeah. It was ebbed and flowed. And another takeaway <laughs> for me was, even when I went to extra time and extra, extra time, the pace of the game never dropped. Yeah, for, yeah. Which, like, it, just, it, bad enough if you just had to play that game in isolation, just say you'd won a semi-final a week before, and then yeah. you played the final the week later, and it went to extra time, extra, extra time. And it was warm on that day. It was in, in yeah. the 20 degrees. But the pace never dropped and you'd played five games in the last three days. Like, yeah. how do you explain how you're able to maintain, on both sides, to be fair, the pace of the game? Like, how do you think that stayed at that level for the whole way through? Um, I think I think we were able to sustain it because we trained very hard. We'd actually prepared pretty well for it. Connor had us really well, really well um, trained going into it. We'd done plenty of fitness work. Um. And I think really we did look after ourselves in the run up to the game. So um, we were, whilst we were tired, we were still, we still knew we had it in the legs. Um, and I do think that um, I don't know if you stick to kind of a plan that you've set out. That um, and if you just sort of try and go with it, which our plan was obviously support play, because you've seen it, it was a lot of support play up the pitch. So everyone does their little bit of job. So hopefully no one's doing, you know, being run too ragged. So you sort of like we were trying to be sensible. Um, at the same time but um, I think that really once you're in it and it's a final you just find this something inside to keep going do you know like yeah. you just find it inside like and when it's coming to that I like coming into this first period of extra time like I felt busted like I felt at when we went in for the team huddle I was like oh god like I don't know how it's this is going to go it's an extra 20 minutes of football once you're in it you just find it in the legs I, you know because, it's just because yeah. it's, it's there because it's amazing because especially with the football there's so much more running than hurling for example so yeah. you're playing yeah. you're playing there you start the corner forward which is very interesting we hadn't seen you there yeah. before then all of a sudden yeah. you're back in the more familiar place and in around the half back line yeah. but the running yeah. that's involved in that game like I saw another one of your club mates Trish from Sinn Féin she yeah. was up and down that wing the whole yeah. game like yeah. non-stop body on the line she was down for three or four injuries she got clattered yeah. as well but back up again yeah. like it was just kind of heroic stuff on both sides but I think you just kept your composure and obviously um, when Cara got that ball and she came yeah. in along the end line and she fisted yeah. it over the bar, I just thought like to show that composure in yeah. like sudden death effectively and ha- yeah. fisted it over the bar having like you'd missed a couple of frees to win it, like the yeah. makeable frees. Yeah. Like that was just amazing like to see that composure I suppose what, given what was on the line. Yeah, I think um, Cara's very Cara's very young. Do you know she's only twenty two? This is her first year out here playing football, and um, she um, you just knew you just know to look at her. She's a born and bred footballer. Like it's in her, it's in her genetics. Um, and I think we sort of knew like we didn't go in, we didn't go in like and say right, we need to give the ball to Cara to get it over the bar because any one of our forwards could have done the job for us. But I think um, we knew as soon as that ball was popped to her that it was in safe hands, and she just had. She just has it in her to know that, right, if I run this, all I have to do is pop it over the bar. There's no point in me shooting from out here, round at the 21 and chance of hitting it wide. So she just had to run it. And she just, I think that's just inside. Do you know, she just has has the head for the football as well as the as the skills. Yeah, and like you said, though, she had to run it. But bear in mind, she'd played probably <laughs> 90 minutes or 100 minutes of getting football and then had to run it. Like, I know. Like, and just for people at home as well. So the way it works is the, the games in the group stages were 20 minutes a half. Then you got to the semi-final, yeah. it was 25 minutes a half. And then for the final, it was it was half yeah. an hour, a half. Plus your extra 20 minutes, then your 10 minutes 
Like, yeah. you know, you're playing nearly for 100 minutes of football. It was... It's just crazy stuff, Liam. Crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And I also know that the president of Ireland was due to be <laughs> at, we'll say, at the games for a total of four hours. He was going to be there for the ladies' football. He special request, he wanted to see that. And yeah, he also wanted to see the hurling final. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that he requested specifically to see the ladies' football. Yeah, And yeah. then because of that, he couldn't finish up the game in normal time. He ended up staying an extra two hours. Like, he, he, was, there, he was there for a total of six hours. Like, 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 there's no way you get anyone, like you would say, like, it, it would have been fair enough, he said, after the ladies' football, look, I have to go. I have to go, yeah. He stayed for the but, hurling, presented yeah. all the cups, and then stayed after the hurling and met everyone and took photographs of everyone, like, Oh, he's just a great man. Like, yeah. um, I was fortunate to go hear him speak last Friday night as well, and he just seems so down to earth and humble, and he really is like a man of the people. Like, yeah. he is just such a lovely way about him. Um, so it doesn't really surprise me that he did stay around for those extra hours and give the time, um, to everyone who who was there as well, um. But um, yeah, just very surreal that he was even there. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I heard you said you were there on Friday night. He came to Melbourne, obviously, and he had a function on Friday night for the Irish yeah. community. I was yeah. there as well, and I thought it was very, very special. He gave his speech to the crowd, and he yeah. specifically mentioned the Victorian ladies footballers. <laughs> we're delighted. But, but yeah, everyone gave a big cheer. But like, I just kind of thought the class of the man that, you know, again, like he was making a speech to the wider community, but the reference to games and how he enjoyed yeah. it and, and the Victoria yeah. one. Like it just yeah. like he like you said, I think there's there's a certain like class about that, especially yeah. you know, he, he's 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 on a twenty nine day state visit, but he just kinda has a word for everyone, which I think is very yeah. special. He really does, yeah. Really, really does. Yeah. So just obviously massive year for you for with Sinn Fein for Victoria. Yeah. But obviously I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's happening in, in especially in Victoria at the moment and around Australia. Obviously we have Aussie rules here, AFL for yeah. people at home. Men's yeah. AFL, it's it's massive here in Australia and people follow at home. We've had a lot of Irish players come out and play with some yeah. of the AFL teams. And just for people at home, the ladies' AFL, the first professional AFL league for ladies started last year. It was in its inaugural season. Um, did you keep a close eye on that this year, Maven? What what did you make of it? Yeah, um, well, one of my uh, Sinn Féin club's mates, Laura Dixon-Duray, um, she was pl- actually playing for Melbourne this year, so we had a huge invested interest in the league, um, even not, not like apart from just being a footy fan. And she got Jim um, Stimes' number, I believe, is that correct? Yes, She's the first, yep. first, person in Me- first person in Melbourne to get the number since, since yep. Jim had passed away. Yeah, um, so we were all incredibly proud of Laura, and we just we we followed her like her journey, um, every step of the way, and any chance we could get, I was like, can we do brunch so I can hear what's you know like what's happening? <laughs> so, um, we were all like we were at Laura's games and and all turned into Melbourne fans overnight then, um, so watched very closely. I was really impressed with um the standard, um. And I think a lot of people, especially I work um, with a lot of Aussies and um, they were all very surprised at how like the ladies could actually catch and kick a ball, um, which was what it was like at home probably 15 years ago. Um, so to see like how um, the reaction of like the general public and stuff to the to the ladies game and then being like seriously impressed with it was like I was proud because I was a female who likes football. Um, so I can only imagine how the girls who were actually involved in the league themselves um, felt. Um, and the, the, it's exciting. It's really, really exciting to see that the professional side of things, that like 
Um, I know like GA is about um, it's about the love of the game. It's not about pay, pay for play or anything like that. But to see that girls can actually come out here and earn a bit of a pocket money or whatever for playing football is is pretty cool. Um, like it used to be, what there's not many sports that you can get you, you get that in um in team sports anyway that you get that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's very exciting going forward because there's a few new clubs being added in each year. So you just don't never you don't know where it's going to go to, what height it's going to go to. Yeah, um, and especially obviously as well we've obviously just had the ladies football final a few weeks ago back in Ireland and we yeah. had 47,000 people attend that that's final amazing. which yeah. I think I think the statistic was it was the highest attendance of a female field or team yeah. sport in, in Europe yeah. I think it was in, in yeah. last year Yeah. so and again it, it goes back to what you're saying it's because the standard I think has improved so much that yeah. it, it's, a, it's a very very entertaining game at the moment and the standard is so good yeah. but also what's happening on the back of that is we're used to seeing some of our male Gaelic footballers being exported out to Australia we had the likes of Ty yeah. Kennelly we've had um, Jim Steins prior to that we've had a number of people are here at the moment we have uh, Zach Tui who's playing with Geelong at the moment yeah. but now we're, we're seeing some of the ladies footballers being approached back in Ireland to come out and play yeah. in Australia so we had Sarah Rowe from Mayo she's had a couple of emails from some clubs approaching yeah. her like it's it's amazing how quick I suppose that's happening now like isn't it amazing yeah, like, like people are getting tapped up at home to come out and play like what do you think yeah. of that I I actually I seen that myself earlier on this week in the news, and I was just I just felt really proud, like because that they were actually thinking, you know, outside the box, and they were going right. We're looking, you know, like Gaelic football is like very close to AFL, so let's tap into that market. Um, I'm surprised. Well, oh, I was going to say I'm surprised that they hadn't really done it sooner. Um, but I suppose they're only really getting really getting into the, the um, swing of things from last year or the year before in the build-up. So I think it's a very intelligent move because the likes of these girls at home who are playing football have probably been playing it for 15-odd years since they were six or seven. So um, the skills that they could bring to the game out here would be amazing. I think it would really raise the standard because you do have girls who play, say, like basketball or who are sprinters or volleyballers or who, who, who just played last year without any experience in AFL. And they were in the league, and they were some of you know one of the some of the top players. But then, if you're actually going to bring some Gaelic footballers out who already have those skills, which are very similar, you're going to see the standard of the game rise. I think, um, which is which is really exciting. And um, I was fortunate enough to play a bit of AFL um, with the Irish Banshees that were out here in August. And there's a few of those girls who, well, actually, probably. All of the girls are all born and bred Gaelic footballers, but the few of the like girls who are living out here should have a real good chance of getting drafted, and they're just amazing Gaelic footballers, and they've just blended that into their AFL. Um, so where AFL would have been their second sport, it's now their first sport, you know. So it is very exciting, um, definitely, um, for. Irish people who 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 might want to have an opportunity at at going for the games. Yeah, so I suppose like you said, I think as we were all growing up, where you're a boy or a girl playing sport in Ireland, yeah, you always wanted to make to be your job. I suppose to play your sport, regardless yeah. of the GA becoming professional or whatever you want to think about that. But it would be how good would it be to to be paid for what you do you yeah. know, the most? And I think it's amazing now that we've had obviously so many players come out 
um, Irish Gaelic footballers now we're going to have we're going to see probably a lot of female Gaelic footballers come out it's yeah. a very exciting time I think for the Irish here in Australia because we all it track is. the male players when they come out and say oh Zach Tui's getting on well with Geelong or yeah. Ty Kennelly was up at Sydney Swans but yeah. we'll be able to see how the ladies footballers are getting on and, and they get the same yeah. coverage here all the games are televised there's yeah. great coverage and there's been great attendances at the games as well so yeah. it's a really exciting time for it's so it's so exciting yeah yeah, like I um I work outdoors and I work around the different ovals and like just in around like um sort of the suburbs and um the a year and a half ago I would not have seen one girl out kicking a football and you swipe over to a year and a half later and it, there's so many girls out practicing whether it's with their dads or with their friends you know there's clubs like start on their first night and have 95 girls that come That's and it's amazing. the first you know like there was a local club that I um. I would do some work out of like, and um, I was chatting to the guy one day, and he go, he was telling me their first night that ninety five girls down, and they retained sixty five of those girls for the full season, and that there was their first season Jeez, playing AFL. That's amazing, yeah. Do you know? And that's rolling out throughout, you know, throughout um, Victoria and like, uh, and probably beyond in the other states as well. So um, it is very, very, very exciting. I think they're having the surge in football here that maybe Ireland had say about fifteen years ago. Um, so I think AFL can take a lot from the from the from Gaelic games as well. If they look at the structures and how it's run for whenever they do get more teams coming along that are going to be professional, and maybe like they can sort of maybe buy into some of the processes that that are there, like with the different levels and stuff, to make it a bit more fair. Um, and that, but um, yeah, it's very very exciting. Yeah, it's a very 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 exciting time, and I think even for within like like you said there, we had um Laura play this year at Melbourne that yeah for the Gale ladies getting football teams in Melbourne we're probably yep. going to see more of the players who are playing even probably on the Victoria State team probably yep. have a strong chance of actually transitioning into some AFL clubs which yep. never like, aside from coming out from home so like whilst that is very exciting for I suppose the players and to get it recruited Yep. I hope it doesn't detract from the standard of, of ladies getting football in, in, yep. in Australia. Because like we said, we just saw a game two weeks ago and hand and heart, it was one of the best games of getting football I've ever seen. So yep. so I hope it doesn't take away that we don't lose that calibre of player yep. as well. You know, I think that's one thing I hope we could hold on to. I know it's probably it's probably not possible, but that, that would be interesting yep. to see how that plays out. It will, it, it, will be, it will be interesting to see how it goes. I know there's a few girls that could, could go the AFL direction, but and they sort of, they don't, go hand in hand you know you could only play like maybe a handful of games for your club maybe early on in the year or that but um it's it, it's a the afl takes quite a toll on the body if you're going to try and do the club and the and the and the, uh, the two clubs back to back so um yeah i don't know well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out yeah interesting times ahead now look i, I won't keep you for much much longer Maeve, but just mm-hmm. like congratulations again on on that mm-hmm. amazing victory last week and leading the girls and bringing the, the trophy back to Victoria we're very proud of you um, thank you but but as well I know you're going on a well-earned break I think you're off to Bali on Thursday is that correct oh I am <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we're trying to keep that a surprise <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe maybe you hopefully whoever you're trying to surprise won't be won't be listening to that part but um, yeah <laughs> but as look, long as there's as long as there's no WA girls listening to this, yeah, yeah. we'll be all right. You'll be all right. Yeah, they're probably still a bit disappointed after losing the final, so hopefully they're not tuning in. But look yeah. look, well done again. Enjoy that well learned break and maybe we'll touch base with you again next year when the season starts up again here in Victoria. Awesome, thanks. It was really good speaking to you, Liam. Thank you. Thank you, take care, everybody. Bye. Take care, thank you. In one single moment your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground. 
things were just going through my head, you know, and, and because like, you know, I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know, people of Warford are my life, you know, and I, 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 I love, I love, I love my county, you know. We and, love John Mellon! You know, yeah. Dry your eyes, mate, I know it's hard to take, but her mind has been made up. Yeah, look, that was great speaking to Maeve. Um, as you can hear at the end of that interview, I, I wasn't meant to mention that she was going away to Bali. She's having a surprise hens uh, for one of the WL ladies footballers. She's meeting her over there. But podcast isn't going out until Friday, and she'll be there on Thursday night. Nice. So we're co- so we're covered. <laughs> oh, there was a bit yeah. of a panic when we finished the interview. I had to have a chat with her, like, what was the story there? Because I just thought she was yeah. going away on a holiday, but... We're all okay, thank God. Well saved, well saved. So I, I was following the whole thing from um, from Snapchat back here in Melbourne. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go, as you know. Uh, I tried my best to go, but I just couldn't. The logistics and just family and everything here, so it was all a bit a bit too difficult, unfortunately. But um, the Snapchats were definitely kept me entertained. It looked like a, a pretty lively Saturday or Friday, or Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And Monday. And Monday, <laughs> yeah. Um, so from a from a standard point of view, how would you rate it from, we'll say, Liam, I know the last one you were at was in Sydney in 2014, or no, Melbourne 2014, yeah. and Giggles, you've been at the last three of them in a row. How would you rate in terms of actually quality of standard and on the field? Huh? Hurling-wise. Yeah. <laughs> Hurling-wise, I think the standard was, was there, thereabouts with the last couple of years. Like I think New South Wales team was probably better if than, than the team that they brought last year. And again... It was very similar to actually last year. The home team obviously had that many many more players, so mm. they could interchange yeah. more. So Western Australia had a very skilled team. They have a guy, Owen Guinan, full forward. He played on the Kilkenny senior panel for a couple of years. And he's a few pounds on him since he played senior with Kilkenny, but you could see he still had the eye, you know, and yeah. he still had the turn. And I we remember him from Melbourne 2014. Um, I gifted him a bit of a goal there at one stage. <laughs> I, think, I think he's on video somewhere. <laughs> I don't think that was your fault, Shani, uh, but well, he did get the goal, already. He right. did get the goal and the ball that <laughs> I should have taken, but anyway. Um, but that's, that's good, though, from a standard point of view. Like, even looking at our team going over, like, we didn't have a full-strength team going over, but you put in a fantastic display. I didn't expect you to do so well in terms of results. Like, you were there, thereabouts in every game. Looking at the scores, now, I obviously couldn't, I couldn't watch the games, but I suppose that's, that's one thing from a, an outsider point of view, from someone who was watching it back here. Brisbane games last year had the, the whole live streaming of games. Yeah, it's a, yeah. just a pity, especially with the whole, the whole, the whole media thing around the president and everything like that. If they had, everything like that, if they had a media presence there, it would have topped it all off. I think. I know, and I think that was in the pipeline. It kind of fell through for them, which was unfortunate. But like my perspective on the standard across all the codes, and I think listen, obviously with the interview and Maeve there, like. I'm talking to President uh, Egano Farrell as well. He thought the hurling was the standout for him in terms of he was impressed with how, how good that was. And he had ladies football at number two. And I think ladies football might have been slightly ahead of the hurling, actually, myself, yeah. being honest. Um, like, it was a phenomenal game. I know we've, we've talked in detail about it there. But, like, that was inter-county level football, I think. I think The what, ladies football? The ladies football. Yeah. And may have said that all of those players would nearly walk on to inter-county teams at home. Yeah, for for anyone listening at home, like they, they probably don't know Maeve Moriarty, yeah. but you'd see her out in Gaelic Park every every weekend. She plays midfield for Sinn Fein, and sure, there's no girl who can come near her except for some of her own teammates. And they dominated um, Victoria this year. They went on, and they probably had the spine of the of the of the state yeah. team, but they were actually ably supported them by a couple of the Gary Owen girls, a lot of the Pierce's girls, and some of the St. Mm. Kevin's. 
as well so that they had a really strong squad going over and WA got their number in the first the, in the group games you know and, and mm. they bet them well in one of them um, albeit it was a dead rubber knew, uh, Victoria knew they were going to be playing the semi-final you said to there that, that Queensland gave them a good game they probably would have been expected to beat Queensland a lot easier in that semi-final mm. but they got, they, got, they got the job done and then it was like it was kind of like they were building up to the final all weekend and then they just exploded and as, as May have said they went nine points up they were cruise control and yeah. then five points up even with about two minutes to go WA got two points where they were kind of going for goals you know that kind yeah. of way mm-hmm. and then the goalie unfortunately had a bit of a meltdown in the last 20 seconds she just kicked the ball straight to the full forward she didn't score the goal and then the ref blew it up yeah. so I'm actually I'm so delighted for her like because she, she actually played a brilliant tournament she made so many saves and then in extra time as well all her kickouts were perfect and she made two very very important saves against the WA full forward so she really redeemed herself and then uh, as you said as, as yourself and Maeve said in an interview Karen McCrossan there was probably no better forward in there I think they, they double marked her and triple marked her at some stages in the group games yeah. and she got the ball one on one with the corner back went around her with actual relative ease um, at that and stage of the game over. and just tapped it yeah. over the bars such an intelligent thing to do like on, like in, th- in that point in time under so much pressure like to actually yeah, yeah. use the hand like like a lot of men wouldn't even do that like they just put yeah. the head down and try and drill it like yeah and, that, and that's why the big takeaway for me obviously we watch a lot of ladies football out in Gaelic Park in, in Melbourne we see it day in day out but to see I suppose the state of Victoria play together how good that team was was just it, it just blew me away and I think it's a reflection though of what's going on at home obviously we've had like we talked about 47,000 at the ladies football right. final and now in, since we spoke to Maeve I spoke to Maeve about some of the players being recruited from home to come out and play in the professional ladies football league and since we had that conversation not more than 24 hours ago we've had a correspondent right. signed for the Greater Western Sydney Giants Yeah. so I think we're going to see a lot more of that which is fantastic but also we're going to see some of the best ladies getting footballers probably come out here yeah. that's a great thing to see I mean that's fantastic and it's, it's brilliant that like this is only the second year that the um, Australian Rules Women's League is actually running so already they're actually dipping into the pool from Ireland I mean it was what's so surprising is well it's not surprising who's coming over like but that they've they've actually hedged their bets and actually went for an older player rather yeah, than a younger yeah. player because it's normally you know in the men's in the men's Australian rules it's always 19 20 year olds that they start with recruiting and um to go over the experience with correspondent no I mean She's a she's going to be a great ambassador, and we already have an ambassador here in Laura Dury, yeah. who actually plays with Sinn Fein out here as and well. Plays at Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, so that's I think you're right. I think it's just going to open up now from here. But it's a huge testament though to Cora that I think she's been compared to Israel Folau in that it's her fourth code to play. So she's played, uh, get ladies getting football. She's played soccer and she's played rugby, rugby. with, with Connacht, yeah, yeah. and now she's going to play Phenomenal. ladies AFL. Phenomenal. And she came out here. She flew out, had a trial in front of the head coach and the, I think one of the recruiters and did a medical and sign and was gone a back. A few media, t- media pictures things, and gone. And back in 36 yeah. hours. Because because she's got a club match for Cara Khan. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah. So Cara Khan, they, they've won a numerous, numerous All-Ireland uh, titles. They're always kind of challenging. And um, yeah, she's like... The, the one thing I'd see about it is the ladies AFL over here is relatively new so for anyone back in Ireland listen it's it's actually not as progressive as what the ladies football would be in terms of the ladies skills so you, you could even see it this year in the ladies AFL the kicking standard wasn't that great so I can imagine Cora Staunton and, and the Rogard from Mayo and all these guys coming over 
and they'll probably make a big impact in terms of their kicking skills. Yeah. yeah. The one thing they probably won't be used to, obviously, then is the tackling piece because yeah. it get it, it did get like some some of the ladies' AFL games this year were very low scoring because the tackling was so intense. Yeah. It didn't release the freedom of, of the kind of girl to go and actually have that freedom to go and kick the ball. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how Cora takes her obviously natural athletic ability, and I, I think she's going to prosper at full forward. She'll be catching marks, Should left, right, centre, yeah. kicking goals for fun. But um, just how they'll adapt to that kind of tackle and that physicality, because and her movement as well. I don't think the players out here will be used to her movement. I mean, she's and as you said, like she's across so many codes. Like her, her brain, you know, for moving into spaces and moving onto balls is going to be totally different to what they're used to out here at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's really, really exciting. Like we spoke, that's going to start happening. But I think it's going to be hope It's going to we're going to see some of the ladies footballers playing with the teams here in in Melbourne are going to get recruited as well. That's more that's going to happen. That's true, actually, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's well, a matter of fact. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Clara, who's the other midfielder for Sinn Féin, and Maeve, they both played with Ireland in the compromise rooms yeah. against Australia. And they, they beat Australia well. Like they, they are two serious players, so they might even get kind of tapped up themselves. Now, I'm yeah. sure most of the Gary Owen ladies footballers will be listening in and they'll be delighted with that. <laughs> <laughs> they won't have to mark Clara and Maeve next year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, obviously... Uh, Best look to the girls and hope they get they, yeah. they, they do well out of it. But I think that just brings back just to the standard of, this, of the Australasian games in part this year. That that's how high the standard is. That's the quality of player that was playing the ladies' football. Looking at the hurling as well, I'd say it's fair to say the standard would have been at maybe intermediate to senior yeah. club level. I think that would be fair to say. I think we had a lot of established senior club hurlers that would have been playing at home. We had the likes from Kilkenny. We had David McCormick, we had Joe Maher, we had Owen Guinan. Yeah. We had uh, Cotton Lockton from Cork. Cork yeah. So we've like we had uh, former intercounty players, established club senior hurlers. Like it was still a very very good standard as well. I know we went maybe with a Victoria. We had a slightly understrength team going over, but still most of the boys at home would have hurled senior for club. Se- yeah. Senior senior for the club, and again with the Gaelic football, again you had a very very high standard as well. It wasn't as good of we'll say play to watch as the ladies football in terms of just the way Gaelic football has probably gone in the men's game. But I think the, the caliber f- player was still very high. Yeah, and I think I think the fact that um, I think like, the hurling always gets a praise out here, but and I think it's the fact that people don't expect it to be so high, and it gets more praise out here because as Aegon mentioned in his interview, like Gaelic football is always a high standard everywhere you go because it's always you know it's an easier game to play, but the hurling is always gets rave reviews even. Regardless of the standard, I reckon to be honest. I I, I was chatting. What was the name of the referee that came over from Carlow? Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy. What a what a what a great crack that lad was. Actually, he came to the ball now and he was a, an absolute character and a very good ref. I thought, but he it was the first he refereed our first game and we were the first hurling game up and he just said, lads, Jesus, I can't get over the standard here. I was expecting now, you know, a few Aussies to be thrown in and it to be like yeah. really junior B standard, but he, he said yeah. he couldn't get over the standard when he actually refed it. So was it as close to the standard as it was last year in Brisbane? I think. All the three teams that were there this year weren't as fit as yeah. the teams that were there last year, and ourselves included. I, I don't think the teams probably had as much training done. WA had a lot of training done, but they had a fair few big lads as well kind of going around the field. Yeah. But so I'd say there was the standard of actual hurling was there. Probably the pace of it uh, and the fitness mightn't have been there from, yeah. from last year. That would have been one. Because I would have put last year's standard would say uh, up around uh, well, a lo- uh, you know a good a, an average senior, senior club team. I yeah. would say. Yeah. You yeah. know, from last year. This year was probably around the intermediate, high yeah. intermediate, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. senior. Yeah. And our, our own Liam Lennon, um was was put with the duty of uh, marking one of the Cork 
former car, car senior hurling stars as well. How did you get on, Liam? That was the best one. We, 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 we found this thing, you know, the gear, you come for the gear, you end up marking Dermot early. <laughs> we had a thing up on Liam, you come for the gear, you end up marking Colin Nocton, and then he ended up holding him scoreless. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> he did very well. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Liam turned up for the, the state games without any training whatsoever, and, and from all reports coming back to Melbourne, he should have picked up an officer, and unfortunately he didn't. Yeah, Giggles got one there. I don't know. I should have got one ahead of myself. <laughs> so, Giggles, you, you've you've been to the last three in a row. Have you how, yeah. have you picked up all stars? Two or three. Two or three. I broke my fingers oh. there. In the other second other than that, he would have been a shoe in for three. I've, in a row. I've I've been to three state games. I've two out of three as well. Two so we'll go for we'll go for the next one. I've been to two. I've none. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all get one next year. But you know, I'm not I'm not about the personal accolades. No, I'm more about well, the team accolades. Exactly. I'm that's more it. focused on in, on individual <laughs> things. Uh, but no, look, I have to say, look, yeah, I wasn't actually due to travel, but the boys, like a couple of lads, pulled out, and I said, yeah, I'd love to go on. Thankfully, it was actually my, my partner, Tanya, who suggested that I go. Someone um, had to bring Gidea G on the road as Someone well. had to bring Gidea G. I I don't think Eagles was going to be able um, to bring all the equipment on his own. Not, got with the, not with the bottles of cider I was drinking. No, okay, well, I wouldn't have trusted him with the equipment. But um, yeah, look, I have to say, like I went over just thinking, Joe, I'm just going to go over to enjoy this now. And yeah. it was just such a great... Playing, playing, obviously, in those games was fantastic. But like just the atmosphere there, obviously, we spoke to, to Aegon or Freed. We had him the on the podcast. The pitches looked beautiful. Oh, that surface is unbelievable. As good as any pitch I've played on. Yeah, they looked brilliant on photos. Yeah, it was first class up for the games. Dressing rooms unreal. Everything like that was unreal. But I think the buzz on the Sunday on the finals with, with the president of Ireland, yeah. Michael D. Higgins, was... Well, the, was bu- the buzz in the party bus look good on the end. Yeah. On the wheel. <laughs> but that, that's the one thing I was going to mention. I think the bond you have when you go away and stay with fellas, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're with, you, we, we'd play against most of these guys week in, week out. Like There was five Gary Owen, five Dan Breen, five Sinn Féin, and five um, Sharmak Stads kind of probably travelled. You know, And we'd be baiting each other on the field all year. And next thing you go away, and it's just... The bond is, is brilliant. Like, yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of great. And I remember we got knocked out. I'm sure we were on the bottles of cider straight away. And one of the lads went over to the lad in the pipe band and robbed, robbed the bagpipes. And suddenly we were doing a, we were doing our own parade. We didn't get to the final, but we managed to do our own parade inside the joke. And Aegon or Faril, the president, was in video on us. Like, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was hilarious. No, it was, yeah. go, it was good crack. And I think it's, it's, you never get a chance at home to go away for three days with a team at home and no. play four games no. in three days no. like it just doesn't happen and the nature of this competition is quite unique that it's played over three or four days so basically you're just playing hurling or football or ladies football yeah. or camogie for three or four days and you're with a group of people it's it's a phenomenal experience and it, we're very very lucky that we have it here but it's a testament I think to Western Australia and GA did a fantastic job in organising the games and coordinating a presidential visit like that added a whole another level of stress to them to make sure that everything are and the whole thing went off, went off yeah. without a hitch so I think huge credit to them. And also to Australasia and to Jero, the thankless job of organising the state games each year that they go through so much work and getting that ready. Um, I have to say it ran without a hitch for us in terms of logistics or anything we needed was provided for us as, as a state, I suppose. And well done to you too, Liam, um, squeezing your way on, onto the, the team's lineups to get a, to get an introduction to our president. Well, I was actually a, an umpire on uh, for the final, uh, Shawnee, because Victoria weren't involved, they need a neutral umpire. So I was, I suppose, requested... To umpire the games, and as tradition is, the the president does get to meet all the referees and his officials. Oh, so all the you, the officials gathered you up so and, and lined you up. I kind of made an executive decision on behalf of the umpires oh, that we right. would just be there. Right, fair play. I was I was good thinking about you. Yeah, you know, well, I, was I like, suppose the lads that were with you didn't really have the smarts or the or the actual incognition to actually get themselves together. I think a lot of them were were 
handpicked from who's the most sober man in the, <laughs> in yeah, the ground. The advice was I had to get the three most sober Victorian hurlers with me to do it. And, I, and he picked Kieran Sheehan. Yeah, we won't, <laughs> we won't there, speak about there him. Was, no, there was one very funny incident because <laughs> Kieran was, um, there, was a, there was a Snapchat for the state games, you know, and all the crack was happening on the Snapchat. And Kieran was in the elevator at five o'clock in the morning the night before the final, obviously. Stosh is drunk, fast asleep. I didn't, he fell down. <clears throat> And uh, next thing anyway, he was doing umpire. And there was one controversial call came where the ball was close to the post and Kieran gave the point, of course. And next thing, the cornerback roared at him. How would you see that if you were bloody stuck in an elevator four hours ago? <laughs> yeah. Kind of just kind of summed up kind of the crack that was around the whole games. But, um, yeah. We, we were knocked out that day, so it didn't really, yeah. it didn't really matter. But look, look, it was a great celebration. And then we obviously we had the gala ball on the Sunday night in, in the Crown Towers in Perth. And that was amazing as well. There was like 500 people there. It was a sellout. But all in all, I think it's just a fantastic weekend. Um, I'm just very, I suppose, lucky to be part of it and to meet the President of Ireland. It was a huge honour. I'd say as well, just like for anyone, Perth is probably the hardest place to get to in Australia, logistics-wise. So probably you didn't have as many teams as you normally would have, but there was still a, a, a brilliant, brilliant competition. Next year now, Melbourne are hosting it. And Melbourne probably is the easiest accessible point for all the states because yeah. New Zealand will travel from New Zealand. You'll get WA, Queensland, New South Wales, etc. And then next year in the Gaelic football, they're going to have a B competition as well. Oh so really? Tasmania are going to travel, South Australia are going to travel, I think Darwin are going to travel, and there's one other state. Yeah. There's going, going to be eight teams. Wellington are the other one. Yes, there's going to be eight teams in Gaelic football and five in Hurling next year. And probably five in Ladies football Brilliant. and maybe three in Camogie. So yeah. it'll That's be huge, a, isn't it? It's massive, yeah. It's gonna be it was the same three years ago and it was here and it was yeah. and it was quote unquote from a high figure in Australia's GA was the best state games he had seen. So that was an excellent, very well run yeah, event. Yeah, so it's very, very exciting. But look, I know we've gone on about a, a bit a bit about that for people at home listening, but I think it's a very, very unique event and to have we had the president of the GA here, we had the president of Ireland at the games. I think that that shows the status that it does have in the GA calendar around the world. So Anyway, look, that's, we'll leave the state games there and well done again to Victoria on, on bringing it home and thanks to May for g- giving us her time. Um, hope she's listening to this over in Bali now as we speak. Um, yeah. And also well done to Western Australia for winning the hurling. We're, I think we're the champions. They're the best team yeah. over and the same with New South Wales in the football and, and Victoria in the minor. So coming up next, we're going we're to have a chat about Paul Kimmage and his latest antics. Guy Henry stood up to a penalty, toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life, you know, everything riding on it. He just buried it, you know, and... And was it a penalty, Brian, do you think? Well, Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the phrases in, in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly, fairly busy time, as you think yourself as a penalty, Marty. Well, I, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other phrases as well to see where they dodgy <laughs> also? Maybe you should. Maybe you should. In, in terms of the referee, did you, were you pleased overall? I'm sure you are now, considering you've won the All-Ireland, but did you think he allowed a lot to go? Oh, Marty, please give me a break. With, uh, the referee, uh, referee, we're supposed to say nothing about referees. I make a habit of saying absolutely nothing about referees. During McCurman, I was, I'm certain in my head was going out to be the very, very, very best he possibly could be. You seem to have had a problem with him. You tell me. Okay, so 
a lot of controversy and a lot of, I suppose, print media, Twitter. We've had podcasts all on Paul Kimmage, uh, his comments, and Luke Fitzgerald. Um, Shawnee, I know you're the one who sent me on the actual, I suppose, firstly, the, the podcast of, yeah. of Paul Kimmage. And, if uh, you could call it that. Uh, yeah, and Luke Fitzgerald. <laughs> but just to take a step back, I think it came from um, what Paul Kimmage said about the Dublin footballers in an article in the Irish Independent where he referred to them as, as cheating, specifically with the last, I suppose, minute of play against Mayo in the All-Ireland Final where we saw that kick out where I suppose a lot of the Dublin players dragged down the Mayo players, they kicked away, the goalkeepers kicking tea. And we had Luke Fitzgerald respond back saying about him taking amphetamines and, and, and cheating as well. To yeah. Like, if we just, before we get into the overback between those two and their behaviour, if I just want like to explore what you guys think of, would you classify what happened as cheating? So, so I, I, I think that it's it's very difficult to have a specific opinion on this because every sport is different, right? So you've got somebody, and, and I, I take Paul Kimmage's point probably more than Luke Fitzgerald's point. You had a sport at the time in cycling back in the 1980s where every single person cycling in those races took drugs, right? Yeah. So they were cheating, right? You have a game now in Gaelic Park, and there was I think Dr. Niall Miner did a study on it back in the in in the early noughties around the psychology of a GA player in terms of what he can get away with. So there's three sets of rules in the GA. There's the rule book, there's what the ref will allow, and then there's the player's code. That that's was was his whole kind of thing on it. And so every player will play. If if you're refereeing, if you're playing a match and you've James Owens refereeing the game, for example, you won't be pulling and dragging out your man because he blows for every single free. Whereas if you're refereeing or if you're playing a game and you know Brian Gavin is refereeing the yeah. game, the cornerback will absolutely rape the corner forward and there'll be nothing you know, that that'll be the approach the cornerback's mindset will be. So to be fair to Paul Kimmage, there, there's there's a bit of in the GA, first of all, it's not professional, right? So there's a player can do kind of whatever he wants. He's not trying to make a living out of it. I know, I know it's very high profile in Ireland, but then in cycling, it's an individual thing and people have gained so much monetary from it and from their professional career from it that taking drugs in sport is just frowned upon. Whereas in the GA, these kind of things are, take the Irish mentality, Irish or Jesus was only a bit of pulling and dragging. No, but I, I would just remove Paul Kimmage's, I suppose, perspective on it. If I'm asking, yeah. what, what, what do you think in terms of, Sean, I'll go to you on this one. Do you think what they did is cheating? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify it as cheating. Um, like, there's two words that I would bring to mind as cheating and cynicism. Cynicism is um, an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. Interest, okay. You reading out there, Sean? Yes, I am. And <laughs> cheating is an act, an act dishonestly or unfairly in order to gain an advantage. They're both pretty similar in terms of yeah. their meanings, right? But like cheating. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't classify it as cheating. Either. No, I wouldn't. I, could, so I would say I would. I would put cynicism as a lower grade of cheating. Yeah. I would say like you obviously do something to favor yourself, and I know I take your point, John, about you know doing something if it's professional or there's money involved. But like, in a way, there is money involved in this. Like, there's a lot more than money involved. Like these guys are are training as professionals, preparing, preparing, preparing like professionals. Like, yeah. I know they're not professionals in the sense of the word. But, but like there's a massive right. advantage to be gained by doing these type of things and it's it's not their fault it's the as you said it's the rules it's the rules fault That's, there's no punishment yeah. for there's not enough punishment for cynicism and or, or cheating or whatever you want to call it okay and there's a simple thing and it, it was brought up i think in the podcast it was about or maybe it wasn't brought up by the podcast but we have it here and, and I, I always go back to afl like but 
there's a 50 meter penalty if if someone walks across the mark in yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Um, in AFL or if you motor the referee or if you motor free or interfere with you know a player or a kick or whatever like that and there's a 50 meter penalty like if that was put into play when Dublin the Dublin guys were dragging on the Mayo lads in the last few minutes they were up on the 21 straight away there was a there was a there was a opportunity to get up, uh, yeah. an equaliser and that's, and that's the right thing it comes down to as well it's cheating is if they were I think I classify someone as doping they all made an alteration to the football they did something to some piece of equipment like something that was contrived in terms of altering I suppose what's fair you know like getting an unfair advantage it's like you so putting a fella's jersey is fair no so, so that it's was cynicism what, it's cynicism so I'll, I'll mark you in training on Wednesday yeah. night I'll pull out of you yeah. if someone's not looking I might hold on to your hurl you might tip my hurl if a ball's coming no, out of the air no but I'm just saying I'm in, saying, in yeah. every competitive sport there is players will play on uh, uh, Kenny's beer on the, as on the edge yeah. playing <laughs> on the edge I don't think that's an out of context uh, metaphor but, aristocrats are playing yeah, on but, the edge but I don't think you have to play a competitive sport on the edge now did I like seeing them dragging them down and do what they did no but when we spoke about on the podcast we spoke after the football final before this all came out about Paul Kimmich we spoke about Dublin just did what they had to do to get yeah. over the line now is that pretty on the eye is it right maybe not but they what was the punishment for that? They got one black card and that was it. But Maybe a black card and a yellow card, but that's what the rules are. Teams teams have been doing it for years yeah. and years and, and it's like in fairness and I feel sorry for the Dublin lads, like they're getting like the whole three in a row thing is just totally papered yeah. over by all this crap from pumping game that, That's very so, so first of all I just want to say I, I don't think they were cheating because every single GA game since, since the time began has been played in this mannerism right? correct correct. so it, uh, all I was trying to do was distinguish between different sports and actually society's view on things because when you talk about doping right yeah. when you talk about doping society has an opinion about that you're taking drugs for performance enhancing yeah. Yeah. When you, and, and when you like, when you believe that when you pull a guy's jersey you're doing something to perf- enhance your own performance you, you are because you're trying to get an you're attracting his performance yeah, exactly. I don't know you're enhancing yours you are because you've got a better chance of getting out in front of the ball for him right? so you're, you're yeah, but you, so, you wouldn't so use I'm that just, context I'm, to say I'm enhancing I'm my performance but, but, like. what, 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 what Paul Kimmage was trying to make I'm just trying to say his point of view he was saying that there's cheating to the letter of the law if you break the rules in a game you're cheating in the game yeah. if you play a monopoly and you move two steps ahead when you actually only roll a four instead of a six you're cheating Do you but, know but, I mean? but if you want to go to the breaking of the rule of the game so you catch a ball tomorrow and you take six steps instead of your four. Are you cheating? No, that's cheating. So it's but, it, but it's a foul. Rules. No, it's, it's actually a foul. Yeah. So there's technical <laughs> fouls in, in... I don't want to get over complicated on this, yeah. but I think calling them... Che- I wouldn't call you I, a cheat. I'm not calling them cheaters. I'm, I'm not saying you are. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm no. talking about Paul Kimmage's response to it. I, like, I just think... Cheat is the highest but level see, of like but see, Paul, breaking Paul, the rules. Yeah. Paul Kimmage's Paul context, and I know he's a sports journalist, but he's coming at it from a cycling angle. He is, he and, com- and he comes at everything from a cycling. That's his problem. Yes, so, so correct. I'm saying GAA has got three say. different rule books. You've got the rule oh, book, you've I got like the rest that book, and you've got the actual players' code. So you you rarely get scenes in hurling where a lad will give the butt of the hurley to the face guy, right? Because that's against the players' code, right? You just wouldn't do that. Some people do, but Tip very, lad. very, very few. Few John Milan for I did it in two thousand four. It's if you take it into context, like and Kimmage is a pain in the arse when he comes. Like he just it's black and white with him all the time. Like it's either right or wrong, and then and it's the same punishment all the time. Like I yeah. mean, a guy goes into court for you know for for to say a murder or whatever, he gets a life sentence. Okay. A guy, a guy goes into for, into same fella goes in for stabbing a fella. You know, he gets a a, a medium sentence or whatever like that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a bit like that. Yeah. You know, 
That's a good give it, give it, cheating. So give it, basically, give it. Paul Kimmage was a murderer because he took the drugs. Exactly. The Dublin footballers. <laughs> yeah. the Dublin they're murderers as well. They're not murderers. They're, they really just robbed the, 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 the few jelly beans and the cans yeah. up out of the shop below or down the road. Exactly. Like, yeah, but yeah. he's, it's like, yeah, but like he's a great, he's, he's a great ju- journalist and everything, and he writes really well, but. He, he it's just negativity out of him the correct, whole correct. friggin' time. Yeah. And then Luke Fitzgerald like came in and was trying to argue with him and Luke had no context what he was talking that about. That podcast it was the most like, awkward thing I've ever listened no, to in my life. Brutal. Like like it was actually I think it was embarrassing for both of them. It was yeah. They both let themselves down in, in, on that particular podcast and the over and back. It was very, very petty. They both worked for the same company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like was, and, and, was, and bringing up about that, I don't know if people everyone has listened to it, but like Paul Kimmage had requested an interview with Luke Fitzgerald like before all this had happened and Luke had turned him down he brought that up in the podcast yeah. like it was really kind of score settling stuff it was two five year olds yeah, yeah. yeah I was surprised ones. at the end when Kimmage actually just like um, Luke Fitzgerald just called him a bully straight out and then Kimmage just stopped dead in his tracks <laughs> and goes I've no more to say to that and shook his hand and, and left Yeah, and um, even watch it on the video as well it was the most awkward thing I, th- I think though from a podcast point of view we should clarify I reckon this Dublin football team is probably one of the best football teams of all time. And they're definitely not cheaters and they need to be given Ooh. the highest praise in the yeah. world definitely. for doing three in a row. And I think that's the main comment. Yeah. That we 100%. Yeah. We're all on the same page with that one. 100%. And I, just, and I would not classify him anywhere near cheating. No. No, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't even mention the word in talking about that team. Yeah, and they're proven one of the best, probably yeah. the best um, yeah. Gaelic football team of the modern era. But I kinda, like, I'm kind of like... It was good, I suppose, that conversation came up in one way to have a broader conversation around. And maybe things do need to change about the rules and punishments. And you talked about... The 50-metre penalty. Yeah, and just, what, what, just for people, a 50-metre penalty is... A hurling, if you talk back to the referee or you... Whatever, the ball gets moved up 13 metres. If you do an AFL or you do something like that, it gets moved up 50 metres. Yeah. So it's an automatic score, more or less. Yes, yeah. it's a bigger pitch, but like... The it's, but you could make it 40 metres exactly, in yeah. getting football or hurling or whatever ha- you need to it do. It has to be worth something, like... What's that, Shawnee? Shawnee's after hitting something on his laptop here, lads. YouTube video. Sorry about that, lads. You can't stay away from that laptop. Um, but yeah, like that's what that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And then then they're punished accordingly. Yeah. So the whole the whole argument came about was is the black card sufficient? Is the thirteen meter free sufficient to get rid of cynicism in the game of Gaelic football and in hurling? And I think right now we probably the black card. For one, the black card is definitely working from an attack and football perspective. If the black card wasn't introduced, you wouldn't have Lee Keegan and Mark McHugh, or Mark McHugh and these guys bombing up the field and moving back because they were stopped. If you go back and watch a game six years ago, they were being dragged down. So it has a, it has done some good. It's just the two negativities on it. It's very hard to police, especially at a club level, and it just it, it doesn't eliminate that bit of right at the end of the game because someone will just take the black card for the team but you know what the funny thing was though that incident happened at the end of the game right but it was actually happening the whole way throughout the game Probably. so the whole yeah, way yeah. throughout the game yeah. there was pull downs off the ball and, and what a big thing for me is I don't know if any of you have you watched the, the Cami and Jeff Stelling clips about you know they did that coverage and they commented on the other find did you watch have you watched that Shani? no did you watch some of that I listened to a podcast about them afterwards yeah. Yeah. yeah and like the big thing for them was they could not believe the amount that was happening off the ball the whole way through the game yeah they didn't know where to look they didn't know where yeah. to look so the ball was obviously in play but down the other end in play lads were throwing each other to the ground yeah. so like yeah that incident happened in the last minute and it wasn't very you know it's not something you want to see but it was actually happened for the 70 minutes yeah. so Paul Kimmich didn't have that context in what he was saying either so and yeah look I think it, yeah look it's an interesting space what's going to happen in Gaelic football we're kind of lucky in hurling 
that we don't have that level of cynicism is there things that happen that shouldn't happen like lads doing like you know playing the hurl or the hurling snobs hurling you know or whatever yeah hurling, hurling, hurling purists we are here no, yeah. but on a serious note we do not have that we haven't got the black card in hurling and there's a reason for it because we actually don't need it at the moment now you want to keep a close eye on it because you don't want that to develop but it's not something I don't think the hurling requires at the moment. Yeah, it's probably probably due to the fact that hurling you don't need to run as much, but like you can throw the ball over the bar from ninety yards if a lad is kind of blocking your run or something like that. Do you know what I mean? You have that ability in hurling to score from a further distance, whereas you don't in football and the drag down and you have to get past more players. But look, we're probably going off on a bit of a tangent yeah. there, am I? Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> but are you looking? You're on about your ninety yard scoring. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him score from ninety I, yards. I don't think I'd be out ninety <laughs> yards to be honest <laughs> for my career. He, he'd never get back into the football league. <laughs> Um, and yeah, okay, look, that's it. We leave it there for on Paul Cambridge and Luke Fitzgerald, but hopefully we don't see that type of behaviour from the two of them again because I think we got far too much airtime for what it actually was. But I think it was more they got the airtime for their pettiness yeah. rather than so, actually his because opinion. it was so awkward exchanges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, okay. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Colin Cooper and his testimonial. To win just once would be enough. Look what it means to the fans and to the players. Paddy Andrews in there to celebrate. But once again, defeat is Mayo's lot. Stephen Rochford and his team gave it absolutely everything. Luck just wasn't on their side at the very end of all of that. But it's Dublin who are the champions. It's a record of achievement that must be acknowledged. Final score, Dublin 117, Mayo 116. Okay, so obviously we've heard there's been so much commentary at home about this Colin Cooper and his testimonial dinner co- happening on Friday the 27th of October. Not in media, um, but what I'd like to do is to talk just on the facts for the moment. There's been lots of opinions written by several high-profile pundits. Everyone has an opinion on it back home. But what I'd like to put to you is this. This is the facts, right? It's a testimonial dinner. Now, what's a testimonial dinner? It's not a charity dinner. The idea is that the person holding the event is going to benefit. That's, I suppose, the... Yeah, the crux of a crowd yeah. testimony dinner or like having a testimonial match yeah like yeah. the ex it's rub- for the individual it's for the individual now so Colin, the facts of this matter are Colin Cooper's holding a testimonial dinner up in a hotel in Dublin I can't think the name of the hotel um, it's 5,000 euros at table to buy in yeah. for a table and the commitment that has been made is that 50% of it depending on how well they sell it out if they were to 100% sell out around 50% is going to go to charity Right, with our ladies' children hospital benefiting, and in Crumlin and the Kerry Cancer Support Group. Now, also Kerry and his Doctor Crooks Club are also going to benefit. Okay, so that's that's the facts of it, so right? How much mm-hmm. does Colin Cooper get? Do you know that perfect? No. So there's all sorts of figures being thrown around, right? So just if you think about one of these dinners in general, right? So five thousand euros a no, table. What's percentage? I think it's going to be fifty percent. Fifty percent. Now, but then minus, I suppose, his costs for running the event. Putting MC, on the dinner, MC, like yeah. Matt Cooper is MCing it. So, like, there is a percentage, of, I suppose. He's going to make somewhere between 100 and 120 grand. That's kind of the figure thrown out there. 250 grand a night for, the, for all the yeah. tickets. He'd get 50% takeaway. But, 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 That's it, what it is, But yeah. the cost of the dinner and all that kind of stuff is probably 30 grand and the, and the audio visual, blah, blah, blah. He's probably going to make somewhere between 
15 and 100 grand yeah. some we don't know we don't know yeah. we don't know the exact okay. figures right so that's why he stands to take somewhere in that region right so my question to you guys regardless of the commentary we get into some of the commentary which has been very opinionated is it's the first of its kind right I'll throw it to you Shawnee like in terms of the context of the GEA do you think it's appropriate for an individual to hold a testimonial event or a testimonial dinner to, to them to benefit in that type of figure I suppose that he could be benefit um, in the context are you, uh, what you mean by that question is in the context of the GA being an amateur organisation yes or and the ethos around the GA I, I've I've never I wouldn't think about it like that I wouldn't think about it like Colm Cooper is just using the GA as his platform Colm Cooper made his own name in the GA Colm Cooper made his own records in, in the GA for the, for the sacrifice he gave to the GA for the time he gave to the GA He's he's going to give more time to the GA. He's going to give lots lots more of his time to the GA. Yeah. He built himself a profile. Yeah. Through the GA, okay. He's organising this testimonial on his own back, just on his name alone from that profile he made in the GA, okay. There's no, there's no backing or endorsement from the GA on that. So I think he's well entitled to do it. Giggles. Yeah, hundred percent agree with Shawnee. He's um. He's a he's a player now, and he's just actually he's just doing a business transaction that has happens to have a charity element attached to it. Okay, so your I, opinion, I, Liam? Look, I suppose I'll be honest with you. I I've, I read a lot about it before. I I suppose I formed an opinion on it. So maybe when I heard it first, I'll be honest. With you, my gut reaction was, "Geez, he's hungry enough." Like you know, I'll be honest with you. I was like, I didn't really sit right with me in terms of, yeah. He's built his name on all these things, but there's more to just him. Like it was Dr. Crokes, there's Kerry. I know he's giving back to them, but he was built through a number of different ways, through a number of different amateurs who supported him through, you know what I mean? Like it's like, if you went up through the ranks of Manchester United and then you retire, yeah, it was, that was a professional organisation. The coaches were paid, the staff at the training ground were paid, the people who worked at, it at, at Old Trafford were paid. You know what I mean? Whereas there's nowhere else down the chain in Colin Cooper's career, I suppose, as a Gaelic footballer, who has benefited from from him or his profile, if you get me. Do you know what I mean? In terms of... I, 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 no, but the organisation has benefited yeah. from having Colin Cooper. Gee, 100%. Yeah. And he's been a fantastic a fantastic ambassador f- for Gaelic football and, and for Kerry. But he's also benefited. So what has happened as a result of him being a successful Gaelic footballer? He's had endorsements from LucasAid. I think he's had endorsements from Adidas. Good on him. He's also be- now become a pundit on on RTE so I think as a result that he's done he's done quite well now the other side of it is right okay why shouldn't he do it like you said why shouldn't he do it he's 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 putting on this huge effort over the years and now he has an opportunity to do loads for charity which he could he didn't have to do like charity no matter what is going to get probably somewhere in the region of 100,000 euro here two very worthy charities and Kerry and Dr. Crokes are also great causes but he stands to get a huge financial gain but this is where I'll bring in the references from some of the people who say obviously Joe Brawley has been quite vocal in, in um Park Duffy. Park Duffy. Um a number of people come out, but I think the very interesting one was Mike Quirk. Now Mike Quirk is a former Kerry footballer, played with Colin <coughs> Cooper, but he wrote a, a very good ar- article I, I found in the in the Irish Examiner. Very good, yeah. Um and it's getting a lot of traction even today on Twitter. Like I, I read it earlier in the week, but Colin Parkinson and Joe Brawley are on Twitter. Yeah, I, was, I was looking at that today. Yeah. And Mike Quirk, I won't go into regurgitate the whole article, but basically Mike Quirk referred to Joe Brawley as this character out of Game of Thrones called the Sparrow. 
And basically, a sparrow is a, is a character in the Game of Thrones for us in our family. The high sparrow. The high sparrow, sorry. Who casts, like, judgment on everyone in terms of their actions. <laughs> and he gets to name and shame and tell what their appropriate punishment is. He's kind of above everyone else. And he refers to Joe Broadley as the high sparrow in his article. Any vices whatsoever in their life, they're punished for it. Yes, yeah. yes. So... I thought it was a very interesting take and what he said I'll take one quote I will give from it he talked about players current intercounty players now who get endorsements from we'll say Lucas Aid or Adidas or any apparel people they might get a free cash. sorry who is this now Joe Broly any intercounty player oh, yeah. I'm just saying in Mike general Mike Burke was making this Mike reference, Burke's made yeah. this reference that the, you know, there's all these different things people are getting remunerated in different ways managers are getting paid under the table not yeah. officially and okay now Colin Cooper is doing this but the way he referred to it is it's different shades of the same colour of money hmm. so Colin Cooper is getting a large financial sum in the, at this particular point. But people doing autobiographies, people doing all it's still the same thing. It's still cash mm-hmm. yeah. out of an amateur yeah. organisation. So I think Park Duffy's argument was, oh, it's not going back to the club. Like if normally people who are going to an event like this, or it's, it's all going to one particular place. But the people know what this is. It's a testimonial dinner. Yeah. And I've, I've probably gone from I think, thinking I was wrong to thinking, do you know what? If you don't want to support it, I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't pay exactly. five hundred euro to sit on a table and watch it because I don't think I want to give Colin Cooper. Yeah. You know, but I, I think, I, I like, think there's know. two points of view from from my from my that I've seen from it. First of all, Park Duffy, I'm going to pull him up straight away. The ethos of the GA is not to be paid, and there he is. I know it's his full time job being paid by the GA. So, like, talk about the most hypocritical comment you can actually come out with from the head guy of the GA. You, this goes against the ethos of the GA to be paid as an amateur organisation yet the head of the GA is being paid yeah. so for me that was the most hypocritical yeah. co- comment I've ever heard and it kind of goes back to kind of maybe a bit of the kind of begrudgery sometimes you'd have in Ireland where if some lad down the road does well people are kind of f- n- initially straight away that he shouldn't be getting that right so you've got Lionel Messi right Colm Cooper is the Lionel Messi of Gaelic Who? football or Le- whatever Leon Messi whatever his name is he plays for Barcelona Lionel Lionel followed it out soccer <laughs> but yeah. he, he goes down and does a training camp for somebody and he just shows his face and he gets swap paid 100, 2 or 300,000 euros yeah. and Colm Cooper here is doing the first time this has been done for, so let's just break that through so he's the best footballer of all time or the top 10 anyway he's breaking more barriers here by doing this testimony dinner which other GA players can follow yeah. and actually get financial benefit for their, their themselves and their families for the time they've put in and you've got guys knocking them and it's a kind of classic Irish mentality sometimes where it's like oh you shouldn't be doing that but actually you know what the lad over there making two or five or ten million dollars a year in the premiership it's okay for him to turn up and have a dinner it's it's, it's absolutely scandalous and I'd say fair play to Colin Cooper I hope he makes a packet out of it and I hope more GA players follow suit and do the same so Colin Cooper is in in a position that he was a very high profile player very successful player Kelly Football of the Year, I think he's won five All-Irelands. What about, we'll say, the Kerry player who was number you know, 18, 19, 20 or on the panel or whatever, you know, put in the same dedication as Colin Cooper over the same period of time, didn't reach the levels of Colin Cooper, just didn't have the same ability. And he doesn't have, I suppose, an opportunity. Like, that's the thing about this as, as well, that there's, like, you talk about the Premiership players or professional sports, they're all being remunerated under ability. So if you're the, the best player for Barcelona, Lionel Messi, he's getting whatever, 250 grand a week, that's fine. But if you're in the reserves of Barcelona, you might be getting 20 grand a week because it's yeah. based on your ability. Colm Cooper, we're in, we're in an amateur organisation, you don't get paid, you get you get rewarded in other ways, but he's benefiting on the back of that. But, and but only of, of being on, part, on, being on, part of a team. That's what exactly, I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think the high pro... Like, okay, I get your point, yeah. But, no, but at yeah. the same time, 
Billy Joe Keane or whatever his name who comes on for Kerry and kicks a point every two he'll be invited to medal ceremonies all over Kerry to present the young lads medals and he'll be given five or six or seven hundred euros a pop just to go and come down and get his free dinner so he's been remunerated actually for his ability not being as good as Colin Cooper but still being an inter-county player but there's a huge difference between but you know what there's yeah. a huge difference between the lad from Preston North and Lionel Messi as well you're a professional sport knock, yeah. knocking on from this as well as like I, I think it's great because it will open up and it might open up maybe these testimonial, testimonial dinners or some sort of dinners for great teams like the great Dublin teams like they could have an evening with the Dublin team where it could be question and answers and they'll maybe yeah, so that's you know team. later on down the road but yeah. also like it might open up the whole media towards the GA but where you have the inter-county GA players now in front of a microphone or, be, or uh, having an interview and they'll say nothing no, you might have fellas if this goes through and it's done fellas going to open up a bit more they're going to be more personalities in the GA they're going to expose themselves to the public a bit more so those endorsements might come through to them but what have we seen in terms of the GA at the moment so if you're a current intercounty player with whether it's Dublin Gaelic Footballers or the Kilkenny Hurlers what's said between January and September what's said in the media nothing, nothing. they give them no. nothing right you've seen the Kilkenny Hurlers and Colin Cooper's done one. when they've retired you've seen Tommy Walsh has He's now he's on News Talk doing commentary. Yeah. You have Jackie Turles on the Sunday game. JJ Delaney, <coughs> Henry Sheffield. You have Colin Cooper. Those guys said nothing when they were playing. Yeah. I don't think it's going to mean all of a sudden they're going to come out and say because Jim Gavin has a Dublin footballers told they're not allowed to go talk. They wanted them to go on on uh, Colin Parkinson's podcast after the after the Ireland final was over, and they weren't allowed on. Do you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. think it's going to. They're told they're told what to do. Yeah. They don't have that freedom where they're allowed. And it's only after the fact, and that's why Colin Cooper is doing it now, because he has the ability. He's a free man now. He can, he can, and like good on him. I don't, I don't. But I'm just saying, it's, it's. I think only the high profile players will benefit. Yeah, but that's that's the the, the nature of, of being the top of the, the but, profession. Like, but it's it, not a profession. Going to go into professional business, it's isn't it the high the, you know the, the high profile guys make the most money like. Barack yeah. Obama, the, Barack Obama gets $400,000 yeah. for a speech yeah, no. he was paid $250,000 a year as president so it, it, like, it's just life it's, it's just it? life and it's harsh to say it like because it, I take life. your point it's what so is? hard because I, you're part of a team okay I, I get that and it is so hard like you could be on the lower rung of the ladder on that team but you're putting in the same hours the same commitment the, everything else and the guy on top is, is creaming it in over it do you know what I mean? That's, like, there's like there's, there's players who play with Colin Cooper on that team who have probably five five Ireland as well who would not yeah. be able to have a twice as money in no. there. Do you know what I mean? There's, but at so, the same time, it's I, not that they won't have. They, they're they're, they're totally entitled to do it. You could have a twice one, but they won't draw no. the numbers, and they don't that's, have the profile. as well. Yeah. But, but Colin Cooper probably since he was four years of age has worked harder than any other player in Kerry. That's why he's so good. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't begrudge so, his ability. No, no. So you know it's mean, not even it's, it's it's work rate. Like so, when you say every lad in Kerry has put themselves through, like some lads have five Irelands in the Ronnie and the panel for seven years. Colin Cooper has been like, you know, an absolute inspiration mm. for like over 10, 12 years of, of his career. Very like, bad injuries as well. You know, yeah, he came I, back from serious I would, injuries. I wouldn't. I'm not having. A, it's not. An, I don't think. It's no, a, no, no, I know. I actually don't yeah. think. I don't have a thing about Colin Cooper with this. It's yeah. just just thinking about it. It's an it's going to be a, it's, it's going, going to be a, a thing, thing now going moving forward. And like Joe Brody was sensationalist about it, like you know what I mean. Like and his article was like just so disrespectful. But it, it there probably does need to be a debate. I don't appreciate Park Duffy's response either, saying we need we got legal advice and we can't stop him. But now we need to look at the rules and all this is like. Do you know what? That's that's such a like a silly response to it. He's sitting yeah. it, saying nothing about it. And then come out with like an informed opinion on the biggest on, on guidelines maybe about how to go about it. Like the biggest organization who are being totally quiet about it is the GPA. 
they are not opening their mouth. I think this GPA has become a joke. Like, we, like earlier on the other day, we did the the uh, club players association and the GPA barely got involved and came out with a statement. In it was just nobody gave yeah. a crap about it. Like Michael Dig- Michael Dygan tweeted about that today, saying, did "Where's where's the Gaelic players association yeah, making our uh, statement?" Yeah, like this. exactly. Like what, what? whether it's even yeah. a dark, like even backing it's, them up. Exactly, it's a player. But they need to put no, put themselves in some reasons. position. Yeah, but they're keep, that's why it's ridiculous. But I think, and, and I like think, the GPA is a bit of a joke. I think we're probably going to have time, but the GPA has lost its two talisman. Don Logue and Desi Farrell have both kind of stepped down from their main positions, and they were the two instigators, and they are the two personalities. And I know Seamus Hickey is. Hickey, yeah. And I know Seamus like he was. I was like he was actually a few years behind me in school. And Seamus is like a quiet, down to earth lad. Like he's not going to rock the boat. Whereas Don Logue and Desi Farrell were two gurriers, like who actually yeah. went in and challenged the institution and like, won. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So perhaps now maybe that you, you don't have your two kind of real kind of challenging people mm. in the GPA. And that's what's they're missing. inside the tent now as well. But that's the yeah. other thing. That's the thing I was going to say. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's it's you need to be a separate organisation. If you're a union, you have to be completely separate yeah. to the people you're fighting against. Like, but Annie, look, it, it, it's amazing. I suppose, I feel for Colin Cooper in a way as well though because I do think his name has been dragged through the mud a bit yeah, on agree, this one. Definitely. Like, and it's probably because of the way it's being portrayed in the media and he, I look, I listened to a really good interview with, with, with Joe Malloy. Joe that Malloy. was brilliant. And if was, anyone wants to, you know, have hear his side of it yeah. they should listen to that that's yeah. brilliant it was a very, very good interview but at the same time he said himself he went into it quite naive not thinking that there was going to be this level of I suppose scrutiny over it but if anything like it's 95% sold out to dinner yeah, exactly. <laughs> like is it, he's getting so much bloody all publicity is good publicity yeah, all <laughs> it's all in Dublin it's all, all in Dublin and Kerry it's up in Dublin yeah, as well. it's up in Dublin like, so look I don't know I, I, I'm I'm not totally against it but I'm not totally for it I know you guys don't have an issue but I do think it's just I think it's a balancing act you know what I mean? I I, I, I think I it's know. good that people are putting their heads above the parapet and just trying new things and yeah, I'm all for moving that. up, moving I'm, forward. I'm all for that, but it, it, it doesn't sound like you're all for it though. It seems like you're kind of semi for it. I'm all for people putting up their, their heads and trying new things is what I'm saying. Yeah. But in terms of being fair, I know it's very, you can't, it's, it's not a fair word. Yeah, like, look, that's a fair I point about the whole team ethos and everything. Yeah, I mean, like, I what know. can you do though? I know. What can you do? Can't, it's very hard. I mean, face. like those, like he, he's the guy in all our final day who gets you know RT want to interview straight away. He's the guy everybody wants to talk to. The cameras on him the most. Like so, yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think players down the list would would care about it. Yeah, they'll they'll start licking their lips when they see the amount of money is going in yeah. going into his pocket like but, but that's why like. I do think I, that's why I, my opinion did change slightly when Mike Quirk said about the different shades of the same colour money yeah. like, and that's what you need to think about yeah. like, it's happening in different ways and look, he's been very opportunistic as well like as well he's bringing out his book at the time of the testimonial dinner like you really have a thing against this here no, I, 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 don't I, think you say, I think you're saying that you, you're far but you're not because it's, the, it's the, the, book is, the book is the, exact, the book is the exact same thing as the testimonial dinner there was some lad in the GA first who I, I don't know who no, it is no, I'll actually no, but no no but hang, hang on a second hang on a second it'd be interesting to find out who wrote the first GA autobiography right because I guarantee you the same thing happens oh how can a GA lad write a book yeah. about his own life that's Bergudri jeez he's getting 25 grand yeah. that's an absolute joke he, he's a part of a team how about the lad down the, li- the ladder who, who can't write a book because he can't fucking write because he didn't go to school <laughs> I don't know do you know what I mean like, so, 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 so it's the exact same scenario Whoa. just 5 or 10 years on yeah yeah, I don't know and it'll become accepted I, like, I've read a few autobiographies from from GFLS and I said they wrote themselves well no I'm just saying I, like the book is coming out at the same time as testimonial I'm just saying, that's all part of the packaging and the propaganda I told, that's what I'm saying, I'm saying it's <laughs> well, like, very well like yeah. this, he's running a very good I know it's PR on the extreme machine. scale of like you know 
they've probably neglected their professional life because of their amateur sports life and Correct. they're trying to get something out of it. I know, again, you're going to say so has the number 25 on the panel as well, like, but look, that's... Mm-hmm. That's the way the high achievers Make hay take where it. the sun yeah, shines. Like that's yeah. what they all say. Yeah. Fair play to him, and okay. I hope he, I hope he reaps the rewards. Okay, look, we we'll leave it there for We're today. We're for sponsorship as well, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he might sponsor the show. Sponsor Gary Owen. Might, might, might win <laughs> me over then. I might change my mind. Oh, we can yeah, get get the podcast. Get AJ sponsored by the Gooch Cooper. Yeah, I'll be looking for his ten grand Gooch. Yeah. Yeah. Be fine. You won't even notice that. <laughs> and yeah, look, we we'll leave it there. But look. Thanks very much um, for tuning in. John, thanks very much for your insights as always. Shawnee, the same. No um, we, we, we got a bit heated there, but that's good, good honest debate. Good, but, yeah. but look, I just want to again, thanks very much to Maeve for giving us the time for, for that interview yeah, as well. Great interview, Maeve. And um, we've actually got another, another podcast coming up next week. It's a podcast with a twist, so please tune in, in next week. Um, don't forget to tweet us on AcadaGA, follow us on Instagram on Akadigia and email Twitter yeah I said Twitter Uh, email gadegia at gmail.com alright thanks very much have a good evening